959 fan Ben and Spring Gunning. I like I like like asking you questions about celebrities. Why? I, I don't I've really enjoyed that. Like last week when I was asking you about the Instagram followers, Justin Bieber had oh, comparing just like, them to Taylor Swift. And I'm just such a and Tate good, McCray. I'm just such a good co-host that I'm like, I'm scared to ruin your game with my <laughs> I, answers. No. <laughs> just be honest, okay? When I ask you a question, I just want you to be honest. Uh no, I'm not, because that's not true. Because like that would have been really bad radio if I just would have yelled, do not care. Yeah. Every time you would have <laughs> oh, that would have been bad. Yeah, okay. That, see, you don't want mm. you don't want it. You don't want it. Mm. You want honest-ish. Mm. Not honesty, mm. but honest-ish. How old do you think Justin Bieber is? Mm. Younger than me, I think. Yeah. I'm 34, aged. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say he is uh, 29 years old. Holy cow, uh, right on the number. Look at me. Good for Look you. Look at me. No, I would have said younger than Sam that. Man asleep Honestly, at the wheel. Where's my applause? Justin Where's my Bieber, good observation? Give me something. I did a good. Justin Bieber being <laughs> Justin Bieber being almost 30 years old actually. That's terrifying. Yeah. We should actually, you know what we should all do? We should just go find a plot of land and get digging because we can't <laughs> be far off. If he's 30, and on that happy note, uh, Austin Matthews is his good buddy. But he's just like, the yeah, like he looks up to his big brother, Justin Bieber, which is also like kind of mind bending mm-hmm. because you think of him as the older guy. He's not. He's <laughs> younger than Justin Bieber. Anyways, the, they're legit friends. And no surprise that Justin Bieber was announced as the co-captain of that team. And yeah, everybody's had nice things to say mm-hmm. about the relationship back and forth, Matthews for Bieber and Bieber for Matthews. Austin Matthews wins the All-Star Game MVP award. His team wins. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the face of the weekend being a guy on pace for 70 goals, being the best player on the host team. And as Gord rightly pointed out, like I, f- hand up, forgot that the All-Star Game was in South Beach Last last year, mm. or I guess it was in Sunrise, but they had some events in in South Beach last sure. year, and, and Matthew Kachuk, I guess, was the MVP of that game. If you're telling me, I'll believe you. So maybe Gord would never lie to us. Uh, so maybe it portends good things for the Maple Leafs that Austin Matthews had such an incredible weekend um, as far as actually winning the game. But that's like less important than what I want to talk about. Austin Matthews is obviously very famous, right? And Agree. In this country, I he's already... I do care about this. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Like, in this country, he's one of the most famous athletes we got going right now. Okay, yeah. Right? Like, and and at, when it's all said and done, like, he'll be one of the most famous Toronto Maple Leafs ever. Like, you could argue, pfft, is he the most famous now? Maple Leafs. I... Sundine, like I don't think you can properly. But okay, this is what we're going to talk about. But yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it's like the idea of global fame Mm -hmm. versus local fame. No, no, but I'm just talking about local here. Okay, I think global, it's not close. Okay, okay. So yeah, already Austin Matthews, I think, has a claim to being one of the most famous local celebrities ever. Okay, agreed. The like generational player on the most important sports franchise in Mm -hmm. this country. Okay. But does he have a chance to be the most famous athlete to ever play in the city of Toronto? The, the, to me, the reigning belt holder is Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. And what was happening when he was winning dunk contests and taking the 76ers to a seventh game, he, there were a ton of celebrities at every yep. single Raptors game 
you know, sitting courtside. Can I give you my barometer for this? As okay. a child, like as a kid, I remember like rappers were wearing Vince Carter jerseys. And right. I was like, wow, we've really made it. We yeah. have. So that's what I'm talking about. Something, and it's hard not to have this conversation without talking about like that the United States pays attention yeah. to, right? Like that, but that they are the tastemakers when it comes to global celebrity. Yep. Okay. Taylor Swift is an American. Beyonce, an American. These, the, these, overwhelmingly huge mega stars of celebrity. And we're talking about celebrity here. We're not talking about how good you are playing the game. Yeah, we're coming yeah. off the all-star game. We'll talk about the games tomorrow. We're talking yeah. about Can't celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Vince Carter is the most famous athlete, I think, that's mm. ever played for a Toronto franchise. I think Kawhi Leonard is in the conversation. But the thing about Kawhi is he's so he was he's he just gave you nothing. But yeah, his play on the court was like you can do this two ways. You can sure. be famous because you're you you have uh you're outgoing, you you do a lot of things, you mm-hmm. date a celebrity, sure. you you welcome it, you you I mean, I guess in this day and age you have like an active social media account, or you can do it the good old fashioned way. The good old days. Right, like Wayne Gretzky, I know he was on SNL, but like not the, the most gregarious fella no. in his age. But was a breakout hockey celebrity because he was just the best that ever lived and was dominating so at such a degree there was just no restless. yeah there was no denying his talent so from from that degree and obviously the NBA more popular globally and certainly mm-hmm. in the United States the NHL yep. Kawhi Leonard I think is on that list maybe you can say Damon Stoudemire I, I, like I I'm pulling the straws here Charles Oakley like oh. certainly like post playing career like yeah. his like well, continue so to be a celebrity. That's the one where that because the name that's popped into my head, but I think you're right to have left him off so far is Tracy McGrady. Like mm-hmm. that guy was so, but it was all post Raptors, right? Yeah. Like it didn't really take off until right. he we went should, to Orlando and then we he should went to only Houston. Talk about how how famous they were when they were playing because like Hakeem Olajuwon, incredible. Like honestly, like incredible. Right. NBA titles and did it with it like Michael's absence and yep. all that, but. Raptors Olajuwon is very different well, than, you know. So then I guess you can include Roger Clemens, who won a couple of Cy Young yeah. Awards when he was here. But that guy's famous, yeah. famous. Yeah. Uh, uh, Toronto Blue Jay. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can, like, despite the fact that Roy Halladay is a deserving no. Hall of Famer, no. not a famous person. Like, we knew how great yep. Roy Halladay was when he was here. Those Blue Jays teams were irrelevant. Yep. Um, He's a baseball player. Like, and I don't say that to say baseball players can't be. No, but it's like when you close, and you could say the exact same thing of John Tavares, like incredibly famous. He's a hockey player. Mm-hmm. Like, he just is. He never really broke through in quite the same way. There was a moment there mm-hmm. where he signs and he has the 47 goal season. And if right there you kind of lit the match and this Leafs team ascended, I think you do start to put him in that conversation because it doesn't always have to be, but sometimes you need that for it to kind of truly break through for you. I think Dave Winfield is on the short list mm-hmm. of most famous Toronto Blue Jays okay. ever. Um, there's been other Hall of Famers that played for the Blue like Frank Thomas, spend a moment here. Yeah. And, and Paul Molitor, man, yeah. won a World Series MVP, Hall of Famer. I, I just I don't view his celebrity because it came from the Brewers, and he wasn't famous when he arrived. Like, the Dave Winfield of it yeah. all is like well, does involve the Yankees and, and, I wanna, and George Steinbrenner. Right. I want to bring up a name that our producer actually brought up is Joe Carter. Because mm-hmm. I think you and I feel slightly maybe differently about this. Because I think, like, when I go fame, or I guess I think of fame and crossover as part and parcel of the same. And 
I don't know that I don't know that Joe Carter isn't like top three on this list. Like if we're doing worldwide, international, mm. no, then it's like it's just like Javinko and Bernadeski or whoever. But I guess we, but like from a North American from a perspective. North American perspective, it's like you I I feel like you might have this answer off the top of your head. I don't, but it's like how many guys have hit home runs to win the World Two. Series? Two, exactly. Dim and Bill Masros. Yeah, he's one of them. Okay. Mm. Like that's fame, fame stuff to the point that Generations later, mm-hmm. he's his name still carries weight in the city. Yeah, maybe maybe I undersold his his celebrity. Obviously, in this Got city, back, yeah, in this city, he's uh, but uh, in this country, yeah, yeah, in this country, I just I wonder. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, no, nope. and his career is good, but not great. But what certainly. do you think? What do you think carries more? Like, what do you think carries more weight in fame? Having a a a Hall of Fame moment mm. or a Hall of Fame career where you never had that moment. Like the idea of being a very good baseball player for 20 years and so good that you go to the Hall of Fame versus hitting the jack that well, won the Jays the World Series instantly. That's like Mount Rushmore famous stuff. Right, and it's hard. It, it is hard, I think, from this seat to evaluate that because I lived it, right? And obviously Joe Carter was yep. the most famous person in my life for a couple of years. And if you think what? of 92 and 93, there's one person that pops That's into it. your brain. It's Joe Carter. And that was, it was, you know, baseball was at a different level as far yeah, as popularity totally. in the early 90s as well, right? Like not, I think now if you have a general baseball conversation that doesn't involve your local team, oh. it has to be like Shohei Otani and like gonna say, not Mike Trout. But I like, like introduce you to a room with padded walls if you're just like, hey, what about the NL West? Right, yeah. where that wouldn't have been out of the realm of nope. possibility in the early 90s. It was more forefront in the sporting landscape. But I, I do wonder like outside of this city, how are those World Series viewed as like... Like just kind of a weirdo freak show mm, anomaly. How's, how's Kawhi Leonard's MVP or, or uh, title viewed? Mm-hmm. But I think Kawhi Leonard was already a Finals MVP when yeah. he arrived in Toronto, and that's part of the Kawhi Leonard legacy. And Kawhi Leonard, at the end of his career, is going to have a conver- we're going to have a yep. conversation about his place in the NBA hierarchy as a as a whole, and yep. you know his peaks being like a, a a top ten player. Anyways, that being said, so here's the argument for Austin Matthews. Yeah, lay it out because I won't be disagreeing. So. Yeah, well, okay, from a from a like a performance standpoint, no, it's not it's even obvious. performance. It's just it it's it's a feel thing. It's nebulous. You can't touch it. You can't even describe it. The guy just feels super famous, more famous than Connor McDavid. I'm sorry. He, well, for sure, and part of that is the passport he owns, right? Yep. And part of it is what's to come in the coming years. Okay, with this four nations face off event next year, less so, but like the Olympic games that's coming after that. We'll set aside the potential of the Maple Leafs actually doing something in the postseason and him being the best player on that team because that's secondary. That's still, hey, listen, that's still the NHL and it's hard to break through as a global or North American celebrity. If, even if you win a Stanley Cup for the Toronto Maple Leafs, it certainly helps. But if you're doing that, you're also on pace to be the greatest goal scorer in the history of this game. Yep. And you're the face and best player on an Olympic gold medalist hockey team on NBC, I, I think, and your best buds with one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Again, Justin Bieber with more Instagram followers than Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. If you view Taylor Swift as the be-all, end-all of uh, North American celebrity in 2024, there's an argument to be made that yeah. Bieber is bigger than her. All those things combined. I'm going to add one more thing in there. That American team that, uh, and I 
I pray this doesn't come to fruition, but they will be viewed, rightly or wrongly, as underdogs. Like, they get to be the American underdog story, mm. especially in America. Like, we'll, it's going to be like Cooper and Keith in the playoffs last year of the underdog off between Canada and the United States, but that's the story they're going to tell of the birthplace of the game with the game's greatest player, and guess what? The scrap, like, they're going to try to turn this into miracle if they win in, in 26 at the Olympics, and the people love an underdog story. Like, if he's seen to be great and leading an underdog, who who else ever gets to thread that needle? I guess, like, Patrick Mahomes on Sunday? Yeah. No, and, and you know what? As much as we love the Stanley Cup playoffs, and there's certainly more American eyeballs on the Stanley Cup playoffs than there are for regular season NHL hockey, mm-hmm. here's where, like, even non-sports fans watch hockey at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Like, that's truly... I mean, the NHL... Listen, we, we know what has been missed by there not being any best-on-best best since 2014, mm-hmm. but the biggest impact is the lack of star-building south of the border. I mentioned it's on NBC as well. Even here, though, even here, like, Sidney Crosby, he's still Sidney Crosby without the golden goal, but he's not. Like, he's not. The way he is viewed, that moment that he he is, and I'm not saying he is not revered throughout the game. You're taking him off Mount Rushmore, any of that. But it's amazing what that did. Again, to think about when this was. This is three years into his life mm-hmm. for us, for most people. You know, there were the sickos who knew about him when he was in Ramouski and all that, or Shattuck. But... That came three, four years into his professional life. Think about how that set him up to be what he was always probably going to get to be, but the golden boy. Like, even here, we need that. So can you imagine what it does for somebody in the States? Yeah, it, it would uh, it would be large. And again, I mentioned the NBC of it all, and I mentioned yeah. SNL and Wayne Gretzky. To me, the, okay, so I did the oh. Instagram followers thing as okay. like one uh, barometer of celebrity. I would say that... Being a host of SNL is also a pretty good barometer. Wayne Gretzky did it, right? He's a hockey player again, it's a different era. Yeah. Um, but he and he did it on the strength of just being this otherworldly character and also playing in the United States and LA helps. In LA. Uh, it's by SNL being filmed in New York City. Like, if there is one player you can imagine from the NHL. Being on SNL, and I'm not telling you that like Austin Matthews right. makes you keel over laughing, no. but like somebody that would be open to the idea, and you could imagine it not being out of the realm of possibility. Austin Matthews coming off, I don't know, like I, I it pains me to even say, like maybe a Stanley Cup here in Toronto, winning a gold medal at the Olympics, being friends with Justin Bieber. Could you not see the conflagration of events that leads to Austin Matthews one day hosting an SNL? And if, I mean, if he does that, I mean, how, how do you deny him being the most famous Toronto athlete? It's funny what a barometer that still is for fame. And I agree with you. Like, I think a lot of people, because I, I, it's funny, like people must still be watching it. I thought I was the last one. I like I stopped three or four years ago and I could have swore I was like the last guy still holding out. But it's amazing what a barometer for fame it is. I don't even know if this guy's like still on the show anymore, but I can close my eyes and see Austin Matthews and Pete Davidson being friends. Like that feels like a, a click that would kind of work itself out. And yeah, in terms of the fame, there's nobody else you can you can put on that level or you can even begin to to imagine it i'm and now i'm just thinking as i I know this is not quite the topic you were doing here but as soon as you laid out all the accomplishments that would maybe lead them to that i'm like would i give up canadian gold for oh buddy that's buddy that's on i was gonna i i was like i'll let you do it then (laughs) i was 
I was afraid that you'd be too afraid to answer it. Oh, no, no. This is, that's easy. Would you? Okay, so. That's easy. I mean, if, if you want to be, if you want to have the positive spin on it, you might imagine Austin Matthews getting an opportunity to play with, you know, his American peers and play in the, in, in, a, in a championship game for the first time in his professional life, mm -hmm. in, a, in a gold medal game at the Olympics, maybe, yeah. and the intensity that surrounds that and the buildup to it and the import that he put around mm -hmm. it, maybe carries over into a postseason run for the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know, you'd, you'd say that, but I've had the thought, not about Matthews, but that the Canadian guys never got to have the Crosby effect rub off on them. Like, it's not lost on me. Go look at all the teams we look at as serial winners. Mm -hmm. It's like you got Nathan McKinnon there, baby Sid. He's 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 been soaking it up like a sponge since he was 14 years old or however old back in Cole Harbor. You have like the lightning connection there with Cooper coaching on Team Canada and Steven Stamkos. They these Leaf guys, and you know, I'm not saying Morgan Riley's a lock for some team. I think Mitch Marner's much closer to that. They've never got to have the experience of just a training camp with Sid. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's nuts. Maybe it shouldn't be this eye-opening experience. I bet you it would be, though. Mm -hmm. I really bet you it would be. And, hey, like a lot of other players, I guarantee you there are other franchises that can go, uh, hello, we had two Team Canada guys, too, and they didn't get to train with them either. <laughs> yes, it would be this dispersion of information across right. the league. It is something we miss, and it goes back to what I talked about at the beginning with all this. International sports, in in a, when they when they coincide with professional sports, it gives us the thing that we once lost. We used to, I mean, honestly, not in my lifetime, but it used to be a thing where you go, all right, this guy's been on the team for 15 years, and you're just going to watch him play his whole career through, and you can remember the guys he played with as a rookie, and now he's the old vet being that for them. You don't get that in professional sports anymore. You have it for very quick, fleeting moments. International is the one place we're supposed to be able to see that with these guys, and it's just, it's brutal that they've never been able to happen. Okay, so to me, the answer to this question is obvious. Maybe it's not as much for oh. you. Would you would you give the United States maybe consecutive gold medals at the Olympic Games? And I think, you know, to make it even a, a tougher conversation, okay. like Canada has to finish out of the medals. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if it meant, and just one, okay. but a Leafs Cup. So, okay. Oh, I would just like to preface this by apologizing to our great nation from, <laughs> such a from coast to coast. You're such a traitor. I'm not a traitor. I'm not a traitor. Might have been born in the country of Canada, but I was born in Leafs Nation. No, you, I, like, I'd have to do it. I'm sorry. I've seen the other thing in I my know, life. That's I'll, part of it. And that's the other, part of it. Here's the other part. I'll see it again. Yeah, I know. Pretty confident. Well, and it, nothing's changing about Canada being the hockey well, nation. Mm, no, that's not true. Oh no, America's like they might already be here, but they're definitely coming. Like the idea, it's just math. Like we're gonna continue to pump out a ton of great players, and it gives me great, immense national pride mm -hmm. that whenever there's the one, he's always still Canadian. Crosby, McDavid, Bedard. Like that guy always still is Canadian, and that gives me immense pride. But just look at the numbers. America cares about this too much now. There's there's so many of them. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're faster. They have more chest hair. It's like a line from Mighty Ducks. Like it is, they, the states will be the perennial power in hockey eventually. That's not to say Canada won't be still pumping out a ton of talent and high-end guys and will be viewed right alongside them. But the idea that now that America, and hey, if I'm just going to follow the point you've been making about Austin Matthews for the next, for the last 15 minutes, why wouldn't he spurn along 
even more interest in this sport. So I don't think it's some lock that Canada is this forever. I've been like half joking with the take that the reason we haven't had international all this time Mm -hmm. is so Gary Bettman could just tap dance until America was fully ready. And guess what? They're ready now. Okay. I don't think we're going to, I mean, I guess the, the, um, the proof will be in the pudding. I don't, I, I truly don't think we're in a run of, you know, a couple of decades here where Canada is is constantly looking up at their bigger brother in the United States and and constantly playing second fiddle. I think there's going to be a great great rivalry between these two yeah, countries okay. when I, it comes maybe, to international hockey. Maybe maybe I maybe I you misunderstood or I misspoke on that. I don't think America is going to become what Canada has been for the mm. better part of I don't know the the history of this game where it's Canada's to lose and everyone else is trying to take it from them. I don't think the states will become that, but. I think it'll be a much more even top of tournaments with the states Mm -hmm. occasionally, if not often, being favored. I mean, 2010, the gold medal game went to overtime. And how much better has America got in hockey since then? (laughs) Go look at that. Like, no offense. I won't name any of them here. You just go pull up the American roster and tell me which of those guys who were playing. And I know, time, none of them. But which of those guys, Mm -hmm. their caliber of player would be on an American team now? Mm. It's like... Like a third of that roster. Is Brian Miller is good. Off. Yeah, yeah. So Zach Parise. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Langenbrunner was on the team too. Yeah. Anyways, um, I mean, is that an obvious question? Do you think like the majority of people? I mean, obviously, you <laughs> take people out of this no I region, think, and it's a very different answer. But yeah, Leaf fans. Well, is it an obvious answer to to say I that you think, would you would give up? You would you would say you know what let's let's be let's be the little brother to yeah. the United States older brother in international hockey for I don't know maybe the next two decades I, if it means one Stanley Cup I think it is a complete referendum on your Leafs fandom like we talked about this with McKee when you were away on Friday the idea of you know if a second team ever came into the market would you switch you know I have buddies who moved out of the city like they're still in the GTA mm-hmm. but their response was well is it east or west to the city because if it's west maybe I do. And it's like, guess what? I already know that guy's answer, you know? Best man at my wedding. Disgust me, Daniel. Uh, But the idea of there are a lot of people who are Leaf fans. Mm. Like, I'm not saying it is a knock. It goes against how I live my life, but it's like, you know, it's just a part of your life. It's not a core existence of who you are. It's like, are you more of a Canadian or are you more of a Leaf fan? I think mm-hmm. that kind of answers the question for you. And I, for me, mm. I love my country. It's not hard to answer that It's going to be an interesting dynamic, too, when, when Austin Matthews plays for the United States and has some yeah. success and then <laughs> returns going to. to the hockey mecca that is Toronto. Uh, at least it won't be here. That would be very nice twisty. Like it's in Montreal and Boston, I think is where, where the the, the yes. locations are for this. That would hurt. If it was mm. like him beating Canada mm. on Scotiabank. Oh, uh, it's going to happen next year though. Uh, Four nations face off and then the Olympic games after that. All right. When we come back, Raptors had a chance for their best win post OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, mm, but they blew it against the Thunder. Where did Scotty Barnes go in the fourth quarter, and the two overtimes. We'll talk about that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Joe Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. 
So for the first time, we got to see Scotty Barnes, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Jakob Pertl together at the same time. It's like a meteor, a comet. And for a time, it looked really, really good. Like for a long time. Like midway through the third quarter type of time. Raptors were up 23 yesterday against a very good Oklahoma City Thunder team. And then uh, the wheels, uh, she fell off <laughs> in, the, in the second half or in the, the fourth quarter. And then again in overtime uh, as the Raptors lose 135-127 to the Thunder SGA with a like a eh, game for uh, the potential MVP. Just 23 points, 14 assists, and nine rebounds. So a rebound shy of a triple-double. Mm. Is that all? Yeah, getting double teamed at every opportunity is part of the reason why the Raptors were having as much success as they were against that Thunder team. The most telling statistic, though, from this game is this. It's not that this is their biggest blown lead in 10 years. That's also, like, notable. But it's this. It's this. Scotty Barnes only had three field goal attempts in the fourth quarter and both overtime periods. Uh He only had... He had zero field goal attempts in the first overtime period, Mm -hmm. which is very notable because the Raptors had the ball in a tie game with seconds to go. Mm -hmm. He touched the ball and deferred to Gary Trent Jr., who was in a no-win situation and barely got a shot. He didn't hit the rim. This is an awful, awful, awful possession at the end of the first quarter. I thought, Brent, Mm -hmm. and it's just one game, and he played a a career high 48 minutes, which is insane. Like, that's even for a guy who was working on his – his um, his endurance this past mm. off season, and and that's a big part of his game. Like that's a lot of minutes. It is, and in the middle of a season and on a long road trip as well. But other guys played similar type minutes, and they didn't look as gassed as Scotty Barnes. I thought the idea was once we get rid of Pascal Siakam, get rid of his harsh. But like once we move on from Pascal Siakam, and clearly the future of this franchise rests on you. Scotty, mm-hmm. that there would be a renewed sense of, okay, I got you. I understand. Message received. And not that he would ever, like I said, you know, we had all these players scoring 60 points and Steph joins them. And, you know, not that he'd ever be that guy that's that's attempting 30 field goals in, in a game, but that certainly when it came down to it, he would not defer as often as he did in yesterday's game. Again, a chance for a... An impressive win against a very good Thunder team. It was a little disconcerting. Yeah, it was. I think that this is this is part of the problem, and obvious. This is part of the problem with having a player who is most comfortable involving others as your best player. You've seen this. The absolute pinnacle version of this is LeBron James. How many conversations do we have early on in LeBron's career of, hey, you'd like to see him attack more. You want to see him. Now, some of this was dumb. Like, he needs to have his Jordan moment stuff. There was some of that. But mm-hmm. there was also an element of, hey, LeBron, you're, you're, you're as big and strong as Zamari Stoudemire. Why don't you go on the block and get hacked and, and get the shot that's best for the team, not the best open look. And I think that with Scotty Barnes, what you want to see with this is the melding of the understanding of, him being a facilitator and that actually being his best trait. Like, yeah, he can fill it up and he can score and he can defend, but what he is as a facilitator is the thing he does best. And I think that with a young player, especially one who finds himself around guys who are now, you know, I think he understood the writing on the wall with Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. He also understands the wall writing on the wall with RJ and Emmanuel quickly that 
these guys are going to be here and it's about finding what works with them. And I think that just somebody with the kind of basketball DNA that Scotty Barnes has, he is more want to defer in those moments. That's not what you need from your best guy. It feels That's like the way I look at it. it I don't know. Honestly, like it feels like Emmanuel Quickly's team. Mm, it I, does. And and Emmanuel Quickly is a good player. It also should be understood that while Emmanuel Quickly is not a rookie, like this is his first opportunity to be this. Not dissimilar. Like this is also the first opportunity Scotty Barnes has had yes. to be this. So there is a, a learning process that's involved here, but. There's also money to be made. Like I know the selfishness, we're beyond that, but Emmanuel quickly literally is a restricted free agent. The conclusion of the season, yep. the Raptors are going to sign him, right? It, they're going to do whatever it takes to, to sign him. There's a, there's a price range that you imagine him being, but like, yeah, that guy is looking to have a star turn of his own. He's looking to be the leader. Of, like, would he, would he discount the possibility? If you came to him and you're like, hey, who's the best player on this team? Like, in his most honest mm. moment, might he say, I think it's me. Like, he does understand the situation in which he arrived, that he mm. needs to prove that. But, like, don't you think there's a scenario in which Emmanuel quickly, again, given the sodium pentothal, <laughs> is is telling somebody, yeah, I actually do think that given the opportunity to attempt the most field goals, like, I can be the breakout. I can, I can be the guy getting MVP votes. I can be the guy that's an all-star. I can be the best player on this team. I don't discount the possibility that he could as well, but like we've we've seen at his best mm -hmm. Scotty Barnes most likely to be that. And it's and it is a little disconcerting to see Emmanuel quickly really look like the guy that wants to take on that mantle mm -hmm. as opposed to Scotty Barnes who hasn't yet. I th I I think it goes back to what I was saying about the nature of of the player. I was talking about Barnes, we can bring in the nature of quickly here as well is that I don't I actually don't think he sits there and would say, I am the best player on the Raptors. I don't think he would, even given all the truth serum in the world, do you know what he would say? I'm the best scorer on the Raptors. I do think he would think that. I think there's a world where R.J. Barrett might think that as well. And there's a world where Scotty Barnes might, might think that. And I think that, a lot of thinking going on, I know. Mm. But with a young team that is trying, and this isn't, this isn't what we did with the Leafs. We called them a young team forever. No, these guys are still a young team especially in terms of their time played together, is you want to figure out what the best version of this is. Again, in a perfect world, it's Scotty Barnes, and he's got the ball the whole time, and he's just directing traffic and deciding how everything happens. And maybe we get to that as a fully formed version sooner rather than later. But I think right now, you want to see, okay, if we let quickly cook at the end of these games, because look, you know, I'm not saying you want Scotty Barnes just standing in the corner shooting threes, but... He had a sh chance late in that game where it was a catch-and-shoot three, and he wanted no part of it, quickly mm -hmm. pass out of it. And part of that is that's not the guy he expects to be, so he's not ready for that moment. But I think that this is where you have to find all the pieces working well together. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be Scotty Barnes running the show offensively every possession at the end. I think you want him to be much more involved than he was, but I also don't think you want to neuter quickly this is what you need him to be on this there needs team. to be a better balance than for, for sure there does but this is this is what i this is what it looks like when you have all young players who are to a certain extent trying to figure out who they are in the league and who they are on this team i think that this is a kind of honestly a healthy uh, a, a healthy tug of war early on in a relationship you know it's funny because i feel like rj barrett does understand who he is and he was the guy that i was the most curious about his role on this mm. team i was like he's the guy with the bigger 
He's got the bigger contract than Emmanuel Quickly. He's locked up. He's got the the better draft pedigree. Uh, he's the Canadian guy. Does he think like mm-hmm. he's arriving here to be the best player and the superstar breakout guy of this Raptors team? And I, I think generally he's taken the shots that he should be taking and and not forcing it and not yep. making bad decisions. Um, I I do think that this is a learning process between Quickly and Barnes, and I would like to see a lot a lot more closer games. Like yesterday was the perfect. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the perfect result, but it's take it's, a win. It's it's the perfect scenario to learn. Like we want to talk about the season being like a learning process. And oh, we're not even worrying about whether we retain that first round pick or not. It's about, hey, getting these guys the reps and seeing what we got in them and them understanding each other and these late game scenarios. It's that's not happening when you lose by 30 points to the Houston Rockets. Like this team needs more opportunities like this. And then perhaps we'll see a, a difference in philosophy or in product at the end of this. I, I just, that was, it's on my radar now for, for sure. sure that, that Scotty Barnes, not that he looks afraid to take the shot in oh. the final moments. Cause we've seen, but we've seen him yep. even with, with Pascal Siakam, who is an all-star, who's mm-hmm. a guy that's got down ballot MVP votes. Uh, with OG Ananobi here, who's was on that championship team, although not playing because of the appendicitis. Like we've seen Scotty Barnes in different versions of this Raptors team be unafraid and make big shots at the end of fourth quarters. But this is a new dynamic, and this isn't. This is a a, a new. We're we're trying to figure out a pecking order here. Honestly, yeah. no, you are. Uh, let me let me ask you a question about that. How much of that, if we're doing a like a pie percentage here? How much of that falls on, and let's just make it about Barnes and Quickly, because I, I agree with you. I think RJ has kind of perfectly found a role already. Let's just make it about Quickly and Barnes. How much of that's on them to figure it out, and how much of that is on Coach Darko to figure out? Because the questions I've had about him as a head coach, I've seen everything that you all have seen, the idea of the X's and O's stuff, and maybe you have your questions there. But the question I always had about him was, What's going to happen when there's a little bit of an ego battle? And I'm not saying that's what's happening here. I think both guys want to make it work mm-hmm. together. Why wouldn't you? Especially Because guess what? Emmanuel quickly can think as highly of himself as he wants. He knows when push comes to shove, it's Scotty Barnes' team uh, here. I think I think he would know that. For now. For, well, okay. <laughs> but he's So how much of that do you put on Coach Darko? The idea of if there needs to be a hierarchy setting on the team, I yeah. think... I think it is best if the coach sits back, lets that figure itself out, see how this is shaking out, and if need be, step in to have those conversations. But it is so much better if those Mm -hmm. guys are just able to sort it out themselves. And I don't think that's something that happens in a week or in a month necessarily. Yeah, I think there's only so much you can do as a head coach. And, yeah, it it should be mentioned. They quickly had 11 assists in that game as well yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think, and I, I do think it's in both of their natures, honestly, despite the fact that Quickly's a better shooter than Scotty Barnes, although Scotty Barnes was three of five from three yesterday and has, has turned into a much better shooter than I think people anticipated coming out of Florida State. But um, yeah, I think there's only so much you can do. You can't say, hey, Emmanuel, this is Scotty Barnes' team. We need to get him more involved. There is a demanding of the ball that happens Mm-hmm. For the best players in the NBA, the leaders of teams 
that go on and do something. And it's an unfair comparison to SGA, who yeah. literally is the second favorite to win the MVP uh-huh. right now behind Jokic, and by the end of the season might be hoisting his first ever award. Like, who would put it past him the way the, the Thunder have exceeded expectations this yeah. season, especially, you know, if they keep this up during the regular season. It's a regular season award, so it's hard to say, like, if their postseason uh, run would impact his award chances. But he's an emerging superstar in the league. Um, but even getting double teamed, like, yeah, SGA is able to get his shots off. Like yep. he, he, the ball finds him, and the ball did find Scotty Barnes' hands at the end of the first overtime, but immediately departed his hands. So, so, so what do you? Because I think the worst version of that is if it is Scotty Barnes, and I don't, I don't think this is what was happening. The worst version of that is him sulking, going, "Here, here, here you mm-hmm. go. Here, nope, you don't want me. All mm-hmm. right, that's fine. I don't need to take shots. Oh." It's Manuel and RJ all night tonight. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm here, pass off, pass off. We've seen that. Like it's normally when we think of guys being selfish, we think of it as pounding the bar, pounding the rock, and then taking any shot they want. We have seen the other version of that. I don't think that's what's happening last night. I think if anything, it was a guy more kind of frustrated with the way the game was going and him passing out because of those reasons. Like why do you? Because I saw the same thing you saw last night. The idea of Barnes, he was deferring. Like there's no yeah. other way to to look at it. Do you think that was frustration? Do you think that was him trying to make a point? Do you think that was him being a smart basketball player and feeling out how the game was going and that quickly was pushing it? Well, I also think he was just gassed. Like, yeah. Frank, yeah. Like, so so much of this might be a one-off double overtime game where he plays 30, uh, 48 minutes because you did see the shot in the second overtime when he finally took one. It came nowhere close. Uh, no. <laughs> right? So so maybe this is a grandiose discussion that it's just like it's a one-off because of the minutes he played. But, I mean, can't you put that on the head coach as well? I guess you can't anticipate yeah. double overtime, but he did play five minutes more than anybody else uh, in the well, basketball I think game. I, I look at that, the idea of, you know, playing Barnes as much as you did almost as the bad NFL team going for two to mm-hmm. head in overtime. It's like, let's just keep throwing Scotty Barnes out there. And if he eventually is 75% of himself, we tried our best in the, mm-hmm. in the first overtime. Like, that's kind of the way I look at that. We'll see. I, it'll be really interesting to, to see the Raptors next game. And if there's like an overcorrection for Emmanuel quickly, because yeah. Emmanuel quickly was brought in here to, yeah, look for his own shot on occasion and certainly hit the threes, but to be pick and roll threat with Scotty Barnes and work in tandem with Scotty Barnes. And that being an incredible one, two punch between the two. And like I said, he's going to get paid either way, Yep, but you feel a whole lot better about it if it feels like there's developing chemistry between the two dudes. Uh, they're in New Orleans tonight uh, against the Pelicans on the back end of back-to-backs, so not an ideal scenario for no. a guy who looked gassed after playing 48 minutes to play on the back end of back-to-backs. But, yeah, it'll be – it's just – it's very much on my radar. And also, I want to say – Yeah, yeah. I didn't anticipate I, – I keep get, I keep surprising myself that I, I care about these results when I shouldn't. Like, I right. shouldn't be getting mad at the Raptors blowing basketball games because, one, it doesn't matter, and, yeah, two, you, they've already told us it did, they don't care. But, I, yeah, I, I can't help but be irked at seeing the four good players and the honestly cast the if – if the Raptors want to trade everybody on this roster except for R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly – and I guess Grady Dick. He had a moment last night. I guess you oh, got a nice like, scoop, reverse layup, yeah. hitting threes. No, he looks like passable now. His which parents is good. were doing bad dance. Did you see his parents dancing, yeah. walking into yeah. the arena? I mean, that's yeah, genetic. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, and I guess you got to say you put you're not trading Grady Dick because no. yeah, he's well, a first I mean, round pick, yeah, and like he's could. finally showing something. But yeah, trade everybody else. And I guess you can't 
trade Yakupertle because one, like the value isn't there, and like if he's gone, you li- you have no other option like, unless you're you're you have some plan to to backfill seven foot. Jamal I think. Yeah. So, like, trade everybody else. But, yeah, I, I didn't anticipate myself being as emotionally invested in the, the result of basketball games with this team. We need still. to go full Bart Simpson with you of I will not care about results of the Raptors games in the 2023-24 NBA season. I want you to write that on a chalkboard like 800 times until it finally, finally sinks in. <sighs> Although, never works for Bart, if we got to be totally honest. Mm. So, maybe that was not the way to go about it. Uh, it is NBA trade deadline week. Mm. It's coming up on Thursday. The Raptors have a bunch of pieces that they will note. This isn't a last year's situation where you're yeah, like, well, will I, I keep I hearing know. they're going to sell. No, no, it's it's give us your best offer. Once bitten, twice shy. I've heard this movie before. Yeah, no, it's th- th- clearly. They're, they're, I guess you don't hear a movie. Well, you, when they were talkies, you did. Bruce Brown, like, wave goodbye, despite the fact that he has a team option yeah. for a deck. Like, he's... Cool headband. Yeah, Great. There was a headband swapping yesterday. Scotty was wearing one. Um, mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder wasn't wearing. One. Anyways, yeah. Every, there's going to be some some moves from the Raptors' perspective. I mean, there's a couple of teams with some really interesting decisions mm-hmm. upcoming, and we talked about one last week in the Lakers. Well, I guess it's not a decision if you believe LeBron's camp that he doesn't want to be traded, won't be traded, despite the fact he does not currently have a no trade clause. But yeah, no, he he said. I feel like he can. Is he the leading candidate in sports for a guy who has a no-trade clause, even if he doesn't have a no-trade clause? I, yeah. (laughs) I think when you get to the level of, like, top five player in the history of your sport, like, yeah, Yeah. it goes without saying. that. Kind of see that in Pittsburgh right now. You need to be consulted if you're going to be moved. Golden State Warriors find themselves on the outside of the play-in picture looking in. Now with Draymond Green back, like, what do they do uh, to try and salvage the, the final couple of seasons? Of Steph Curry. The Philadelphia 76ers to me have like emerged as the most interesting scenario mm-hmm. in all of the NBA because Joel Embiid hurt his knee and he's going to have knee surgery. And I guess there's optimism that he could return at some point this season, but it doesn't seem like anything's set in stone. I guess they'll know after he does go under the knife. But for a guy that's about to be 30 years old that has the injury history that he has, like if there's a possibility that he's around for the postseason and you could get the best version of him, I guess you have no other choice but to to buy at the deadline. But could you see a scenario where it's like, oof, this sucks. And I know at 30 years old and considering the injury history, we, we got to just carry this thing over to next season. I, I think there's a real interesting scenario developing in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it is tough having a guy like Embiid and man like I as soon as I saw that news about him going under the knife and I know there's a possibility of him coming back but is that is there a zero percent chance that's it that's the 76ers title window it just slams shut right then and there because you know Tyrese Maxey is is taking leaps and bounds in terms of what he is as a player and you know Nick Nurse obviously a very competent head coach but if Joel Embiid's not a top three guy in the NBA like, can he be the ninth best player in the NBA and the 76ers still be this? I don't think so. I mean, he was the best player in the NBA last year and they didn't make a final. It's kind of what I'm getting at here. So, <laughs> And they had it? James Harden. Is this the closing? Well, which might, might have been a net negative. Again, like, we'll never know. James, James Harden, <laughs> it's impossible. It's the ultimate yin and yang basketball player there. But that's what I look at with the 76ers is, and, you know, that's not to say that they should be contemplating, oh, just sell off everything, trade away Maxi. You're not going to do that, but... It is so fleeting. I think in the NBA, windows can slam shut quicker than any other. I also think they can kind of open quicker. Like if Scotty Barnes 
just shows up next mm-hmm. season as the fourth best player in the NBA. Guess what? It's a very different Raptors conversation we're having all of a sudden. So they are the they are the sport where windows feel the most kind of fleeting to me, and it does make you have to. It has to make you alter your your approach if you're one of those teams that think you can win. Well, well to the point about Joel Embiid being great, great player and eh, deserving ish uh, MVP. Uh, winner a season ago and was on an MVP pay, uh, pace before he suffered the knee injury. That team's yet to appear in an Eastern Conference final with what? him. And I guess, like, you you got to keep running it back until physically yeah. his body turns to dust because he is you, he is one of the guys that you can at least dream on mm-hmm. being, like, one of the, what, five that you can dream on him being the best player and winning a title despite the fact that it hasn't manifested itself totally. in the postseason but yeah, would there not be a temptation? Like, the the theoretical trade I was thinking about. Okay, bring it, bring it to the mic. And it's it's totally pie in the sky stuff, obviously, because contracts don't match, and like this would never be brought to the fore because of timelines. But whatever. But like, say you were the Raptors, and you're like, ooh, yeah, I can get a a, a lottery ticket on Joel Embiid coming back next season. Mm-hmm. Would you make Scotty Barnes the focal point of a Joel Embiid? trade considering he is one of the the needle movers and it's like the the window for him at best maybe like can any Mm -hmm. do you expect Joel Embiid considering the knee injuries that he's already suffered being effective beyond the age of 32 like maybe it's a two-year window Mm -hmm. with him where who knows what the window is with Scotty Barnes and again Joel Embiid hasn't Mm -hmm. it's not like Kawhi Leonard where you acquire him he's already won a finals MVP but yeah he's one of those guys would you Center a trade around the future, maybe close to a decade of Scotty Barnes trading that away for like the two years of Joel Embiid. If this was if this was six minutes ago, or you know, whenever it was before, we knew he had to go under the knife. Yeah, I probably am. But the, no, but that's the whole reason we're having this well, conversation because he's having under, well, no, but surgery. it was always a lingering thing. Sure. Like, we all made the joke with Nick Nurse that the second he showed up, mm-hmm. it was you know we all did the barbecue thing, like oh look at Joel Embiid's knee just falling off the bone, <laughs> and oh look at that, it, it came to fruition. I have to say no though because maybe you feel differently. I don't think R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel, quickly are better than Tyrese Maxey, and yeah. that's the guy who's running second fiddle to them there, and it's still not good enough. And I know, you know, you can do other things. It's not just about who your second best player is. Of course not. But that's the kind of math I do there. Hmm, quickly and Barrett, are they better than Maxi? No. Could they be? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So I think no is why I wouldn't do that. Also, the Joel Embiid well, has never appeared in a conference final or won a title. Yeah, yeah. That's where my head is at. Like, if, if we had had Joel Embiid last year was his breakout yeah, and he yeah. won a title and at least, oh, you proof of concept exists True. very much there. Then yeah, we can have that conversation. I don't even think it's a conversation right now because like, what's okay? The best version of Joel Embiid is an MVP player mm-hmm. and somebody who you still have questions marks about when it comes to the postseason. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Leafs back in action tonight on Sportsnet as they host Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders. And coming off the break. You're not going to believe this. Maple Leafs favored. Minus 167 against an Islanders team that is desperate to pick up points to get back into the Eastern Conference playoff mix. They're plus 140. The total is 6.5 here, Brent, with Ilya Samsonov getting 
Yes, another start for the Maple Leafs. I hate I hate to do it to my Leaf brethren out there, but you got to take the aisles on the money line. Plus 140 Leafs. We've been t- sitting here talking about how great they are. They've been sitting around for a week. Isles haven't got the new coach bump. They're due for it. And there's just no value to be found anywhere else in this game for me. So I got to go aisles on the money line. Hate to do it, but I think I'll be right. Uh, you got Sorokin. You, you got a, like a rejuvenated Samsonov. I like the under uh, mm. even money. Minus 110. Under six and a half. Raptors also in action on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590. The fan, 8 o'clock, as mentioned, they're in New Orleans to play Zion and the Pelicans. And it is a hefty spread. No respect given to a team that took the Thunder to double overtime yesterday. Or perhaps that's the reason why Mm -hmm. it is uh, as wide as it is. 11 and a half. The Pelicans are favored at home. The total, 231 and a half. Yeah, this is a Rodney Dangerfield line. No respect. You get no respect. Uh, Yeah, give me the Raptors to cover there. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think it'll be a little rock fighty tonight, given how tired they are. But this is a scrappy Raptors team, and they're going to find a way to keep it close. So uh, I I like them to cover the 11 and a half. You get it in minus 110. Yeah, I like that as well. Every time you think the Raptors are out, they pull you back in. Godfather 3. By which I mean cover or spread. Yeah. They don't win basketball no. games. Certainly yeah. not. Uh, 11 and a half. I, I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's all on a sliding scale. It's like <laughs> not all the way back, but a little. Backish. Yeah. All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, Frank Saravelli was local. Did you see him? No, he's going he's gonna to say, you at least have the excuse of like you were at a children's hockey tournament. Yeah. I just was sitting at home <laughs> and you watching didn't, festivities. You didn't, you didn't get to, to see our friend in no, person, didn't. in the flesh. He was here in the city of Toronto. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for DailyFaceoff.com, joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.